Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Alexis Mazelle Pleasant for this month's episode of Woman in Supply Chain series. Alexis served in the U.S. Navy as an engineer and supervisor in the reactor department engine room on board the USS Ronald Reagan before embracing her passion for writing and pursuing a career in media. That has to be one of the biggest career changes we've seen in the history of the show. It was absolutely fascinating to hear about Alexis's journey and what she's learned along the way. Her story really does show that journeys are not linear and that anything really is possible if you have a dream and you work hard. I hope you found the show as inspirational as I did, but if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 359. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit Esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform. Esker transform the way you work. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we get on with the show, I'm going to ask you a question. So according to IANA, what is the value of the North American intermodal market? It's a growing market, so how will that impact its value? Well, let us know your guesses over on social media and keep listening because I'll let you know at the end of the show. So today, I'm joined by a company that is on a mission to transform the way chassis work within the intermodal supply chain by focusing on equipment equipment quality, operational efficiency, and delivering a great driver experience. With an increasing industry focus on chassis, it's a much-needed mission. But who does it belong to? Well, I'll reveal it all after the poll of the week. So the question we asked you, what do you consider the most critical factor when choosing a supply chain partner? So we had over 232 votes. 74% of you said reliability. 14% of you said cost-effective and 10% of you said ethical, sustainable practice, and 2% of you said other. Matt says, anytime I hear the dealers for wire crafters comment on what keeps them coming back, they always say the lead times and sales team are reliable. Reliability is absolutely key. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. You know that we come back with a question every single Wednesday morning across the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn and Instagram page. So head over there to be part of the conversation. So now back to today's episode and which leading transportation brand is joining me today? Well, it's Direct Chassis Link Incorporated. DCLI 
is the largest container chassis provider to the U.S. intermodal industry with over 151,000 marine and 122,000 domestic chassis in its fleet, serving ocean carriers, motor carriers, beneficial cargo owners, and domestic shippers, DCLI operates in over 500 locations on or near key port facilities and intermodal hubs throughout the U.S. And it's Lee Newitt, President and CFO at DCLI, that is joining me for the show. Prior to D- to joining DCLI, Lee spent 10 years with Fairpoint Communications, during which time he helped them grow from $200 million to over $1 billion in revenue. And during his decade so far at DCLI, he's been an un- integral part of establishing its business processes and guiding its successful merger and acquisition strategy. Today, Lee will be telling me all about DCLI, what they do, why they're investing in improving the trucker experience, the contentious issue of chassis regulation, and DCLI's mission to transform the way chassis work within the intermodal supply chain. So welcome to the show, Lee. Hey, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you here. I mean, I spoke with Ryan on Thoughts and Coffee a couple of months ago, and we had a fantastic chat, you know, spilling the tea on the world of chassis. So I'm looking forward to diving deeper with you today and just sort of finding out more about DCLI, what you are up to, the impact that you're making on the industry. So let's jump right in. Let's start by talking about the landscape of the intermodal industry. It was a bit of a tough start to the year, but I think future forecasts are a lot more positive. So from your perspective, where are we? What does the market look like as we head into the second half of 2023 and into 2024? Sure, yeah. I think obviously we're we're long-term believers in the growth potential of intermodal. Uh, you know, the cost savings and the environmental benefits alone are very difficult to match, uh, you know, in the industry or in, in the broader uh, transportation uh, ecosystem. Service providers in the intermodal space, including DCLI, are investing heavily to improve quality and service. Uh, and the real goal here is to advance enhance the value proposition of intermodal vis-a-vis other modes of transportation and wind share. Uh, now, obviously, 2023 is is shaping up to be a flat to down year. Uh, I'd probably also argue that comps are out of whack, kind of going through, we're at the tail end here of, of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, stepping back a bit, we all know that the U.S. economy is largely uh, consumption-driven, consumption of goods and services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the most of the goods that we consume, you know, as a country here, travel in a container at some point in their journey. And of course, a container needs a chassis. So, uh, you know, you think about the mix of consumption between goods and services has a very big impact on transportation. And it's obviously swung pretty wi- wildly over the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, everyone's staying home. People spending on goods goes up. People mm-hmm. spending on services goes down. Then we open back up. Uh, you know, kind of halfway through, and now everybody's dining out and vacationing and spending less on, you know, consumable goods. Mm -hmm. And as that pendulum swinging, you know, retailers are trying to figure out, well, I need to make sure I have enough inventory so that I don't don't have another stock out like I had kind of early days of COVID. Yeah. Um, Standing here today, I think it's probably safe to say they overdid it a bit. 
So now they're destocking, and that's really a key theme, you know, that we're seeing that you're reading about, uh, you know, throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. So 2023 in our mind is, is is the key word is kind of normalization. Ah. You're seeing inventory to the sales ratios are mostly back in line throughout most pockets of the economy. Uh, the consumer remains pretty strong, maybe not as strong as they were a year or two years ago when savings were at historic highs. Um, you know, but I think over a longer term horizon, we could agree that that consumers are still quite healthy. Labor market's still very strong. Inflation's coming down and more and more economists are calling for a soft landing. So I think we put all that together. And our view is that we're nearing the end of this uh, freight cycle, if you will. And we should expect a pretty muted 2023 peak season and then kind of a return to normalcy in, in 2024. Yeah, it's kind of like that new normal that we're talking about, though, right? <laughs> I think we have to put the new in front of the the normalization. One of the articles that I was just reading the other day is that we're seeing healthier inventory landscapes. We're seeing new products, right, coming onto shelves and being stocked in warehouses and things like that. So I would definitely agree with you because we're over that overflow of inventory we're starting to see new life, I think, right? Yeah, definitely. All right. So where where does DCLI fit into all of this? I mean, before we dive deeper, maybe just give us an overview of who you are, what you do, and how you help your customers. Sure. Uh, you know, start by saying DCLI is the largest intermodal chassis provider in the U.S. An intermodal chassis is essentially the trailer used to move a shipping container over the road. So that could be from the port to the rail from the rail to the warehouse and so on. Um, On average, we estimate that each container shipment in the US is gonna generate between one and two chassis moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we truly are a critical link in the supply chain. Uh, Our business or our company has been in business for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. In 2012, we were um, spun out from Maersk and became a standalone entity. And at that time we had about 64,000 marine chassis. So. Marine chassis is a term we use to refer to the chassis that are 20 foot, 40 foot, or 45 feet in length, supporting international shipping containers. Mm -hmm. And then over the past decade, we've grown by about four times through a combination of fleet acquisitions uh, and as well as new chassis purchases. That would include our entry into the domestic chassis market. Domestic chassis means 53 foot chassis that are supporting the uh, domestic shipping containers. And so Today, we operate a fleet of over 275,000 chassis, uh, marine, domestic, and specialty, serving thousands of customers uh, through our daily pools, uh, our daily rental pools, our private pools, and long-term leases. Um, Our chassis are positioned at every major intermodal hub in the country, and obviously our goal is to have a quality chassis available everywhere our customers need one. And to do that, we rely on a team of over 450 highly experienced employees. Many of them have been in this industry, you know, specifically with chassis for decades, uh, and they strive to deliver operational excellence every day. Amazing. Well, congratulations on such a success over the last 15 years, you know, four times in size, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really liked about what you just spoke about too, is you really broke it down what chassis are right yep. and what they are to different people there's different chassis in the intermodal space or sorry in the international space with international shipping containers and those sizes differ 
from the sizes that are in the domestic market. And so I really appreciate right. you breaking that down because we talk about chassis all the time, but not everybody really understands or realizes how many different sizes, how much goes into it, international versus domestic, how different they are. Yeah. All right. So you serve multiple industries from ocean to motor, like we just talked about. Can you talk us through those different industries and give us a feel for how you work with them? Yeah. So we we often use the word stakeholders um, because a stakeholder encompasses truckers, shippers, ocean carriers, railroads, port authorities, terminal operators, kind of everybody that could care about chassis. Right. Uh, so regardless of who's actually paying the bill for an individual uh, shipment or, or chassis move, uh, all of the stakeholders have a very strong interest in, in our ability to meet the market's demand. And the one common denominator or one of the common denominators is that there is always a trucker hooking up to the chassis to make that move over the road. Right. So we kind of view it as if we can deliver a great driver experience, a great you know trucker experience. That's paramount, and that will serve the interest of all the stakeholders involved. Um, and delivering a great experience really comes down to having sufficient quality chassis available to support demand at a particular location on a particular day. And to do that, you know, we work with railroads and ocean carriers and shippers who are forecasting demand uh, on a weekly basis across our network, and that allows us to work with the terminal operators and the dredge companies to position our assets around the network and make sure we have chassis where we need them on a, on any given day. Um, beyond that, we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars, expanding our fleet, uh, driving, uh, enhancing quality on our assets. That means we're buying new chassis, we're refurbishing old chassis to like new condition, we're radializing the fleet and converting to LED lights. Now, Having said all that, sometimes things go wrong. Uh, you know, a trucker has an issue with our chassis out on the street. So we've worked really hard over the past few years to invest uh, and build out our road service offering. So that that's a 24-7 service that is available to dispatch repair vendors anytime the trucker has anything go awry and to get, the, get that trucker moving again. Um, so again, thinking of the driver experience as kind of our true north, we think is the best way to ensure that we have a satisfied customer set overall mm -hmm. and and allows us to continue to grow with them and be their chassis par uh, partner of choice. Well, and you're collaborating amongst all of the different movers and shakers in literally one shipment, right? Yeah. There's what people don't realize a lot of the times in supply chain and logistics is how many people are actually involved <laughs> from a yeah. product perspective, but then again, you know, from the container perspective right? Whether it's domestic or international. And you are collaborating with all of them, but you're focusing on sort of those un unsung heroes that we heard about in the pandemic, which are the drivers who yeah. are on the road all the time. They're the ones that are depending on the safety of the equipment that they are moving, right? And they're driving all sorts of hours, all sorts of miles across country, across borders, and they're relying on you for that. And, you know, the fact that you've come up with sort of like a CAA for chassis or, you know, drivers to make sure that they have that kind of um, safety and comfort in the fact that if something does go wrong, you're going to be there for them. And I think about women coming into the industry as truck drivers as well. And yeah. to be honest with you, you know, 
just uh, being able to put them first and to come up with this safety and comfort, not only not only for drivers in general, but for women who want to be drivers as well. I mean, kudos to you. I think that that is phenomenal. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. All right. So what are some of the different challenges that those customers that you're talking about are coming to you with? You know, as they look to navigate some of the choppy waters we've talked about, how are you helping to solve for them? It sounds like DCLI really is customer focused, right? Um, It's really driver focused and you're really helping to solve for the different challenges that they have. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the answer is it depends. Um, yeah. We do serve a number of customers and a number of different types of customers. We try to meet the customer set where they are. Mm-hmm. So that means that the service offering can vary by location or by customer set or both. Uh, so if you think of a spectrum, on one end, you have customers that may want direct control of of at least a portion of their chassis needs, in which case we might offer them what we call a, net, a long-term lease. So what that okay. is, is usually the customer is a trucker. They'll take possession of the chassis for a fixed term on average about three years. And during the term, they're responsible for maintaining the unit. Uh, and then they can bring it back at the end of the term, you know, three years later and turn it back in. Now, customers that have the wherewithal to manage chassis. So that could include things like having adequate storage space, having, you know, control over your chassis inventory, knowing where they are, repositioning assets. Uh, as needed, maintenance personnel, insurance, et cetera, uh, and who are willing to take on utilization risk, right? Because if you're if you're a term leasing a chassis and volume declines, you're still paying that fixed lease. Right. Um, if all of those things kind of fit, then you tend to like the net lease product. On the other end of the spectrum, you have customers that like the flexibility of the daily rental option, um, in which case we would set them up as one of our pool users. A pool user can show up one day uh, pick up one of our good order chassis and then bring it back when they're finished. And that's really it. There's no commitment to use us for mm-hmm. the next load. Uh, it's it's very similar to a rental car model. Uh, and so then on that spectrum, of course, you'll have customers who want a mixture of those things. So we might establish a private pool or a subscription model for them or or what we call a full service lease where it's a term lease, but we handle the maintenance. Um, so there's a whole number of different options And then you have kind of the very large customers. So that's going to be your ocean carriers, your railroads, even some of the shippers who are most focused on having broad coverage uh, Mm. across the country where their containers are constantly flowing. And for them, we would typically establish a nationwide pool uh, agreement. These nationwide agreements tend to have forecasting requirements so that the customers are telling us, I'm going to have this many boxes moving in this lane on you know this date, and that allows us to position the assets around the network, reposition them uh, as needed, and to support that growth. And in some cases, even buy new chassis because hey, they're buying more containers, so we need to buy more chassis to support them. Right. Um, I think the bottom line here is there really isn't a one size fits all solution, and right. we really try to be flexible in designing uh, you know a solution to meet the customer's needs. Yeah, I like that. A lot of people like customization, right? And it sounds like you're meeting the customer where they're at, no matter what size they are, and you're able to provide them with a solution so that they can be successful in the industry as well. Because what you're doing is you're helping provide them a service so that they can go and also make some revenue in their business as well, which I like. That's right. Exactly. 
So can you bring some of that to life for us with a maybe a case study or two? Paint us a picture of how you've worked with a client and the benefits or ROI that they saw from working with you. Yeah. So one of the fastest growing customer sets in our business right now is what we call private domestic container customers. So a private domestic container customer could be a large e-commerce retailer who's looking to expand their use of domestic intermodal and build their own 53-foot container fleet. Uh, Oftentimes, they're utilizing their private fleet to support their own internal needs, moving their own goods throughout their network. Okay. Uh, And perhaps they're doing that because they want to complement their over-the-road transportation buy, uh, or they're actively shifting to intermodal because of the cost or environmental benefits. Um, These customers have been rapidly scaling up throughout the pandemic, really. Um, And of course, they need a chassis solution. Uh, in order to make this all work. So we worked with uh, a number of these customers to structure long-term partnerships that allows us or gives us the confidence to invest hundreds of millions of dollars uh, expanding our 53-foot chassis fleet. We've grown it by nearly 50% over the past few years. Wow. Um, And these customers like our solution because it's simple, it's flexible. Uh, You know, for example, a container for one of these customers can come off a train in Chicago and go on our chassis and then get drayed and delivered to a warehouse in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And then that container can come to a rail ramp in Memphis, empty or reloaded. Imagine doing that on your own. Uh, it's extremely costly and difficult if you're right. kind of a, we, we call it like a pool of one. Um, but our scale with lots of different customers moving volume, you know, throughout the network uh, allows us to efficiently balance that fleet. Uh, and 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 doing so makes life easier for the customer, and it's proven to be a really valuable uh, relationship uh, over the past few years. Well, and if you think about it, a lot of times we want to get the product closer to our customers. And so we're actually keeping smaller amounts of inventory in a variety of different warehouses, right? And so if you have the control over that, you're able to um, move the product to those different DCs to get the product closer to your customer. And I'm sure that, you know, the the relationships and, and what you just spoke about in that case study has really helped them to probably feel like I said, more in control, but um, also be able to do more with their supply chains. That's right. Exactly. Great. I love that. Thank you for sharing um, those examples. So let's talk more about your um, mission. Your mission is to transform the way chassis work within the intermodal supply chain. How are you doing that? How will that mission change the industry for the better? I'm always curious as how to how companies like yours organize organizations like yours are making an impact in an in, in the industry because you're doing that every single day so talk to us about that yeah you know i would say we have already helped transform the industry but that transformation continues and probably will continue for a number of years if you think back kind of a decade ago chassis or the chassis industry wasn't something people talked about chassis were basically <laughs> Yeah, I know mean, we talked about it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but I bet you people could r- not even spell chassis. A okay, ago. fair point. <laughs> um, you know, they were effectively a cost center within a larger transportation organization, um, and and generally an afterthought in the intermodal landscape. And then along comes DCLI, who, along with our peers, really transformed chassis into a highly investable asset class. Mm-hmm. Uh, while pivoting, as I said earlier, to a more trucker-centric model. 
Um, as I, you know, as we were just talking about, we have a lot of different customers. The service models we deploy to serve their needs continues to change. Again, that one true north delivering a great experience for the driver. If we can do that, we are certain that every customer will be happy. Every stakeholder will be happy. Uh, and I think we've come a long way in this regard, but I would also acknowledge that there's a lot more progress to be made, and it's something that we're working on every day. Well, listen, things are changing at the speed of light right now, so I can only imagine um, how much more impact that you can make. And the way that you're thinking about who it is that you're helping and why you're helping and why you're doing what you're doing makes all the difference when we are you know, continuing to make that impact in the industry. So let's talk more about your chassis fleet. I want to talk about sustainability, capacity, cost right? Because your customers are benefiting from your high quality equipment that you're bringing to them, allowing them to use in a variety of different ways. But I understand, obviously, that sustainability is top of mind for everybody. Capacity is top of mind for everybody right now, as well as cost. So talk to us about what that looks like. Yeah. So again, once upon a time, chassis were were overlooked. So right. An example, imagine you're a major international shipping line. You've got hundreds, if not thousands of vessels, hundreds of thousands of containers, terminal operations all over the globe. How much time are you spending thinking about your U.S. chassis fleet? Uh, <laughs> not you know, a lot. <laughs> right. At DCLI, we like to say we wake up thinking about chassis and we go to bed thinking about chassis. And so that's what we really bring to the table is specialization in a very important and historically overlooked asset that really is a critical link in the supply chain. Um, so you mentioned quality, sustainability, capacity, cost. I think of those things uh, sort of all overlapping. So let me talk you through some of the initiatives we have going on and then kind of hit on those qualities as I go. Sure. Um, because I think, you know, for example, radial tire conversion. So when we bought most, most of the marine fleet that we acquired over the years was operating on biasply tires. So basically bicycle tires uh, when we what? bought them. Um, uh, that's an exaggeration, but, okay. <laughs> but you take my point. Over the past decade, we've been systematically converting those chassis to radial tires. So these are the types of tires you know everyone's grown accustomed to. They're safer. They last longer. That means we have far fewer tire changes, okay. uh, which is good for the environment. And it also saves us money. So you know, we've spent millions or tens of millions of dollars over the past decade on this initiative. Uh, we estimate that we now save about 60,000 tires per year. Wow. We recycle more than 26 million pounds of tires and 5 million pounds of steel rims every year. So that's wow. that's one initiative that's been going on for a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one we talk a lot about is our refurbishment program. So a, a refurb is where you take an older chassis, you strip it down, you sand, uh, sandblast it, paint it, and put all new componentry on it. The result is a like new chassis uh, that is considerably cheaper than buying new and more environmentally friendly because you're not scrapping you know, right. the, old, the old unit. Um, depending on customer demand, we'll either put those assets back into our pool or into a private pool or on a long-term lease. Uh, but because refurbishing a chassis is so much cheaper than buying new, that allows us to pass those savings on to the customer in the form of lower rates uh, or and or more flexible term. Well, and what you're also doing is you're helping them reach their ESG, ESG yeah. goals, 
right? Exactly. I'm sure they come to you and they're like, we've got this, these sustainability goals. How can you help us hit those? And you have programs in place with proven results that you can share with your client. And I'm sure they're very happy with that because they can go back to their teams and say, listen, we're working with DCLI and they're helping us to hit these goals because of X, 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 X and X. That's exactly right. I mean, win-win is a bit of a cliche, but these hey, these initiatives it. are legitimately win-wins for the customer and for us. You know, they're we're both enjoying the sustainability benefits, we're saving money and so forth. Great. So let's talk about how you support your customers on the back end. Um, I think you've got some quoting tools, some tracking. How do you help uh, your customers to deliver the best experience to their own customers? Because really, that's what it's all about, being a partner right? Is that you're thinking about your customer, but you're also thinking about your customer's customer and what it means to them and how they can keep that customer. Yeah. Uh, our our CEO, Bill Shea, loves to use that phrase, the, the thinking about the customer's customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's been a ton written about transportation tech, especially over the last few years. No one would, would disagree that there's tons of ways to apply today's technology to our industry and and, and improve the user experience. Uh, at DCLI, as you mentioned, we have a number of tools that we've built out over the u- years from a quoting tool to um, track a chassis. We've got online bill pay, online uh, bill inquiries. We allow uh, truckers to street turn chassis uh, through our system, and we also uh, allow for reservations. But, you know, having said all of that, I think we would would recognize that we're only just scratching the surface. So over the coming years, I think you're going to see us invest a lot of time and energy in this area. Um, you know, that could entail adding GPS to the fleet so that we can offer real-time tracking, improving billing accuracy, enhancing inventory controls. GPS is obviously n- not a new technology, but our industry has been working for years to figure out what the business case is. And I think we're very close uh, when you combine all the benefits across those, you know, uh, areas that I just described, it really starts to make a lot of sense. Another one would be AI. Um, so everyone throws AI around. They do. Um, but you think about very specific use cases and the cost of AI uh, and, and robotics process automation is has come down so much that you know we can apply AI to gate images, which uh, can significantly amplify our ability to inspect chassis in real time and improve our quality controls. That's just one example. Um, it could also, kind of more broadly speaking, uh, result in us further integrating into our customers' supply chains to make chassis more a more seamless element of the overall shipment cycle. I, I don't know that we necessarily want everyone talking about chassis all the time. We kind of want chassis to be easy. Right. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of times comes down to integrating with, with the customers. So I'd say stay tuned on this front. We're going to have a lot to report you know, over the coming couple, two, three years. Awesome. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Um, I was also, when I was doing some research for this episode, I noticed that DCLI was acquired last year. Not for the first time as acquisition, I think, has been part of the strategy for a number of years. What benefit does that bring to your customers? Yeah. Um, yeah, we are on our fourth ownership group now in the past 10, 11 years. Um, each time we've changed hands, we've created value for our owners. But I think from a management perspective, it really validates our strategy, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 we have uh, created value and and and, and sold. Um, our new owners are very long term in nature, which is great. You know, sometimes to make big changes, you have to have a long term view. 
so they're very supportive of our vision. Uh, they're the ones investing hundreds of millions of dollars to expand the fleet, to enhance the quality of the fleet and 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 the service offerings, as I just described. And we're very well capitalized. Uh, so we're extremely excited about our new partners, and and we think, uh, you know, it's going to. Uh, really enhance and accelerate our vision for what we can become in the future. Amazing, amazing. So I think the the potential government regulation of chassis and the creation of gray pools have been a bit of a controversial topic in the <laughs> media recently. What are your thoughts on this? I think we're going to link to a DCLI blog in the show notes as well. So if you want to learn more about this, definitely go to the show notes to check that out. But what are your thoughts on this? And what should transportation organizations be thinking about or maybe preparing for as the debate just rages on? Yeah, um, you know, I'd start by clarifying that the government already regulates chassis. Uh, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration regulates chassis safety. And we think that is certainly an appropriate and important role for the government to play. Uh, but what's been topical of late is, is really whether or not the government should regulate chassis provisioning models or business models in a direct way. Um, and, you know, I'm afraid proponents of regulation are kind of being opportunistic here and, and capitalizing on the supply chain woes that that were caused by the pandemic, which, by the way, impacted every element of the supply chain, not just chassis, to, right. to really push an agenda that enriches a small group of people at, at, at to the detriment of everyone else. Um, you know, our market is changing rapidly. We are designing new solutions every day based on what the customers tell us they want. And we don't think the government should get in the way of that. So you know, candidly, there are already so many different chassis models that it's it's actually hard to imagine how a one size fits all kind of gray pool approach could even be implemented. Mm -hmm. And then if you think about any regulation other than a one size fits all approach, then the government's really picking winners and losers. Um, so, for example, somewhere between a quarter and a third of all chassis moves uh, in this country are are moved with truckers that are either owned or controlled. Uh, sorry, uh, chassis, which are either owned or controlled by truckers. So that would be like those net lease products right. that I described. So I would ask, how would truckers like it if the government suddenly says, hey, all those chassis now have to be turned over to a third party gray pool manager right. who's going to tell you how much you can earn, how many assets you need to have in the pool, send you a bill for maintenance and repair every month. I, I think they would hate it. Yeah. And and if if you then say, well, no, let's not worry about those. My answer would be, well, if those are outside of the scope, then how is that anything other than the government kind of playing favorites? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, proponents of regulation like to tout choice in quotation marks. Yeah. What they're really pushing is the opposite of choice. We at DCLI support real operational choice. That's why we support truckers that want to control their own chassis via our, our long-term leasing channel. That's why we've worked with shippers to develop dedicated pools to support their specific operating model. That's why we're in favor of competitive pools in every market where chassis chassis providers have to fight for business by you know, yeah. improving quality and reliability at a reasonable price. If you think about Los Angeles alone, right, that's where you have one of the largest, if not the largest, great pool in the country. It's called the Pool of Pools. There are at least six other competitive pools in that market. Mm -hmm. along with a, a pretty robust amount of trucker 
uh, controlled chassis. So you have to ask yourself if if a single gray pool is the answer, why would all of these different options have popped up? Right. Uh, and I think the bottom line is there is more choice today in the market than there has ever been. Mm-hmm. And government intervention, as contemplated, would really send us backwards. It would severely undermine investment in our industry. And so our view is let's not upend a market based on a once in a lifetime pandemic. Let's not play favorites and treat certain chassis providers differently than others. Mm -hmm. Instead, we should let the customers who are actually paying for the chassis and companies like DCLI who actually own the chassis to continue to engage in a free marketplace. Yeah. And I just feel like it would have a really big impact on customer experience. And so if the customer service and the customer experience goes down because of the pool and because there's no other choice, we've seen it happen before in other industries, that doesn't go so well. People will start doing their own thing if they're not being treated the way that they want to be treated when they're spending their money. Yep. I mean, it's in in economics, it's the free rider problem. And if we're all just going to put assets into some third party great pool you know, what incentive is there to differentiate, to innovate, to have the best service, the best quality, if, you know, everything's just in a giant great pool. Yeah. So question for you then, if anybody wants to support, you know, obviously um, what you're doing at DCLI or maybe make it known that they don't want to go the gray pool way, what do, what do they do? Who do they reach out to? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, um, I would say we've got on our website our our uh, public relations contacts. Okay. You can start there. Um, you know, to the extent folks are involved uh, with their local representatives, that's mm-hmm. another avenue. Um, there's a whole host of of uh, industry associations at the state level, in some cases even at the market level, that they can get involved in. There's okay. plenty of there's plenty of voices right now, and and plenty of ways to make your your view heard. But we would love to hear from you as well. Uh, okay. So please reach out to us. Great. Thank you for that. Now, I know you mentioned what we can expect in the future from DCLI. I think, you know, from how you're supporting your customers from a back-end perspective, is there anything else that you want to share from, with us for the future of DCLI and what we should be looking out for? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I can recap it. We are, as you can probably tell, very proud of, of how far we've come in just 10 years. Um, but in many respects, it feels like we're just getting started, both at DCLI and as an industry. Um, So as we look forward over the next five to 10 years, you're gonna see us continue to grow our fleet with new chassis. Uh, You're gonna see us continue to invest in our existing fleet with refurbs and radials and all things to enhance the quality of the asset. We're gonna continue to become more trucker centric um, and design new service models to meet customers' needs. Um, And lastly, I'd say, uh, continue to modernize our business by applying technology and really just making DCLI easy to do business with and the chassis provider of choice. Keep it simple, keep it easy. I like that. So the last few years have been filled with challenges for the global supply chain and capacity, control, cost, and consistency have become increasingly important for shippers. That's why DCLI are leading the market by creating an efficient network that intermodal professionals across the industry can truly rely on. And did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, according to IANA, what is the value 
value of the North American intermodal market? Well, it's a huge $51 billion, and it's a market that will only continue to grow. So definitely watch this space. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at dcli.com. And a massive thank you to Lee for joining me today and to the team at DCLI for making this episode happen. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And remember, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on our show. And you can get to better understand who they are and how they can help you. Just use the search bar. We're also working on a filter button so that you can find them quickly and easily and listen to who might be the right partner for you. And remember to come back next week. I'm going to be joined by SPS Commerce, the network powering retail supply chains around the world. I'll be asking SPS all about accelerating products to shelf, utilizing partnerships to grow sales and discover data insights, and the importance of meeting every consumer where they want to buy. And the industry strives to catch up following the pandemic-driven e-commerce boom. So next week's episode promises plenty of tips and insider insights to help your organization collaborate and grow into 2024. So make sure that you don't miss it. If you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com for the favorite supply chainer in your life. And when you're looking for cutting edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chains, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond emoji reactions? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe, yet stimulating for everyone until now. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain. It's a private network for the supply chain community 
one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. We are focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content connection and creativity you need for supply chain success. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com so that you can join the waitlist now. Our supply chainers group is open and ready for you. That's exclusive content just for you that you won't find anywhere else. We've also got a waitlist for our Women in Supply Chain monthly meetup group and the Creative Room monthly meetup group. And those are going to be professionally facilitated. We're going to have experts come in and it's going to be the place that you want to be. So head over there and sign up now. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.